morning. So for those of you who don't already know, my name is Erica Coulter, and I am a family practice physician at Union Community Care, formerly known as Lancaster Health Center, formerly known as Southeast Lancaster Health Services. I started working there in 2008, almost immediately following my graduation from the Lancaster General Family Medicine Residency. I'm assuming I was asked to speak about caring for one's body because of my credentials as a doctor. And I could tell you a lot about disease prevention and treatments, but truth be told, physicians are not very good at taking care of themselves. As I prepared my thoughts for today, I started to think about how that lack of self-care starts. For me, it was right at the beginning of my training. I was barely finished with my first month of medical school on September 11, 2001. I was sitting in biochemistry class with about 250 other students when the notes began to circulate the auditorium. As the details of the horror unfolded and the mood of the class became unsettled and distracted, the professor cleared his throat and sorrowfully acknowledged the tragedy and then kept teaching. Classes were not canceled, exams were not postponed, the message was both explicit and implicit. We were there to learn how to take care of other people's bodies. Our bodies will wait. We do not get time to grieve or react. Work comes first. The training period as a resident physician seemed designed to further toughen you up and suppress your basic needs. For my first year of residency here at LGH, every fourth night for nine months of that year, was a 30 hour long shift, starting around 7 a.m. one morning and ending around 1 p.m. the following day. Sometimes I was so exhausted after that shift that I could barely walk through a doorway without hitting the frame. And I remember saying things like, I may not get to sleep, I may never get to use the bathroom today, but let's make sure we get to the cafeteria before it closes. If one of my colleagues was unable to come to work, someone else was pulled to pick up the remaining work. Patients needed to be seen. We residents heard the legendary stories of our mentor physicians who refused to miss a day of training and, according to legend, showed up to work with IV poles dragging behind them, feeding fluid into their veins when they were too dehydrated from illness to keep up. I remember feeling admiration for that extreme sense of duty and dedication. So I followed suit. In my years of being a physician, I showed up to work when I was really sick, pre-pandemic. I came to work with an eye injury, another time with a freshly fractured wrist, another time during pregnancy loss. I came to work to finish one last shift while I, be while I was in early labor with my firstborn who decided to come into the world a month early. I was having contractions every 10 minutes while I tried to keep my face relaxed as my patients were talking to me. So now I've probably lost all credibility about standing up here at all to talk about caring for your body. That's fair. So as the scripture was read that you just heard, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The setting in which I read those words over and over was in a darkened ultrasound room in a fertility clinic here in town. 
my husband and I struggled for four years to have children, and I had many ultrasounds as part of the process. The words, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, were written in big cursive letters on the door facing me as I sat there waiting. Sitting in that room alone with a paper drape over my body and reading that I was fearfully and wonderfully made felt like a terrible joke. How could that be true? I was sitting there because I was obviously very broken. That was the whole point. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully, when translated from Hebrew, means with deep respect, reverence. Wonderfully, when translated from Hebrew, means unique and set apart, special, distinguished, not fertile, not cancer-free, not without disability or disease, but unique. Our bodies are unique, distinguished, and were created by God with heartfelt respect. How do we care for and nurture this incredible gift? Certainly not by the methods I had employed during my early years as a physician. And during that same time, I also struggled to find the energy and joy to work serving others. How can we expect to properly care for one another if we have not tended to and respected our own bodies? We must be attentive stewards of our own selves before we can sustainably take care of others. The key word being sustainably. We can do anything for a short time, but as our bodies and spirits begin to slow with exhaustion, we are not the instruments that God designed us to be. Being a physician in a time of pandemic has been stressful, but it has also been an opportunity to refocus how I am caring for patients and how I address some of their basic needs. I work at a special place in the city, caring for the underserved, underinsured, underprivileged. Many of my patients have food and housing insecurities. Many struggle to afford medications or lack the transportation to get themselves to see a specialist if needed. Many of them were unable to isolate and protect themselves from COVID-19. In those first months of the pandemic before the vaccines were available, I started asking patients a new set of questions. Did you have enough food, medication, or medical supplies? Were they lonely? Was family available or were they staying away? Had they lost anyone close to them? Many had. Even the question, hey, how are you? carried a different meaning than it once had. It was no longer appropriate to focus on advice about getting exercise and eating more fresh produce and taking time for themselves. It felt like I was connecting with patients in a different and more meaningful way. This pandemic has also brought to a head the conflict that can arise when one person's stewardship of the body is in stark contrast to someone else's body stewardship. As a physician, I'm passionate about people getting their COVID vaccines and following public health measures. I feel like those actions serve one's own body as well as others. Some people feel strongly that the vaccine could be dangerous to their bodies and wearing masks do more harm than good. We see these disagreements erupting everywhere. It has been tempting for me to disregard people who think differently than I do and draw lines in the sand, my side, their side right, wrong, relationships on the brink. Is this how God wants me to use my body and mind, which he lovingly created? 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but I still need his wisdom and grace. My name is Morgan. I'm a public health nurse. And I'm Kim, and I'm a resident physician at OTH, so the vaccine program that Erica did for training. The time that she described um, of an intense period, that's what he's going through right now. <laughs> so, following in her footsteps. We consider our professions to be holy vocations, specifically connected to our identity as God's agents here in this world. So today we'd like to share with you a few ideas and reflections. First one is that we believe as Christian healthcare workers that health is physical, mental, and spiritual. And secondly, that stewardship of our health as Christians is extremely important to our connection with God, with others, and for our own well-being. So along with Erica, we feel really privileged to be part of the helping professions, um, specifically within healthcare. It's often said that more people walk through the door of a hospital than through the doors of a church on a given week or day. So we really have a unique opportunity to touch people's lives in healthcare. So this has been a question that a lot of us have been facing recently, but something that's been not new to healthcare is what do we do with global health issues, emerging technologies and treatments, incurable disease, pain and dying, and in a, the setting of a global pandemic, especially resources that are limited. Ultimately, we have to have a different perspective um, as Christians of, of what, is, um, what is God, what is mankind, what is health, and what is disease. So what does this look like? Uh, we'd like to talk about that this morning. Jesus lived in embodied existence and in his resurrected body, he even ate. So we know in God's eternal perspective, um, the body really matters. So I'd like to read um, also from Mark 2, 1 through 12. This is the story of the paralyzed man that was lowered uh, through the roof. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he, Jesus, was at home. So many uh, gathered around such that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and having dug through it, they laid down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning their hearts. Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and take up your mat and walk. But so that you know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat and go home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I think this passage is, is really neat, and it highlights quite a few things. Jesus looks past the reason that the man gave for uh, kind of presenting to Jesus. And he goes to his real need and says, son, your, 
sins are forgiven. So if one doesn't really look at the relationship between Jesus and this man, it's really a cruel joke. To him, the main problem in this person's life or in any person's life is never their suffering. It's their sin. Sin may not be the direct cause of a person's suffering, but it's certainly the cause of their response towards their suffering. So actually, Jesus loves this man so much, he gives him not just what this man came for, the physical healing, but what he really longed for, what could truly satisfy a clean relationship with God. Delivering physical healing without spiritual healing never really gets to the root of the problem. Men and women remain broken and unsatisfied because the roots of their discontent go far, far deeper than physical healing can touch. The wholeness we long for, unlike what many people in healthcare would say, cannot be obtained through procedures, drugs, or therapies. So a different perspective is required. So we see a view of health that is starting with the inner self, reaching the outer self into relationships, the environment, and ultimately the transcendent. Uh, a right relationship with ourselves is, as Henry Nouwen said, the beginning of any spiritual life. Jesus refers to our relational rightness with our neighbors as the second greatest commandment. And mankind's relationship with our environment is God's first commandment to man. So ultimately, rightness with God creates assurance for eternal spiritual health, as well as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, as we see in Hebrews 6. Each of these relationships should, will be right in eternity. However, in the world, our sin separates us from a perfect relationship with God. So we cry with the psalmist, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. We know that the body matters to God and to us, and we long for the day when it will be totally whole and shalom. The Hebrew word shalom expresses this totality and completeness of health and well-being. Shalom is rooted in God alone and cannot be experienced apart from him. The shalom encompasses the inner person and their relationship with God and social relationships as the outer person. We also think that sin arises from brokenness and disharmony in these relationships. So what does stewardship of our bodies look like here as believers at East Chestnut? Well, for those in our congregation who are suffering with illness, uh, there's a prominent researcher into health and faith, Dr. Koenig of, of Duke, and he summarized in this really neat study, 344 articles that were published from 2000 to 2010, showing that ultimately faith helped coping with illness, pain, stress, chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease, mental health, and end-of-life issues. In that same study, he showed that a life of faith also relates to better health behaviors, like less cigarette smoking or physical activity, and benefits even for cholesterol. And there's also evidence in that study that there's better outcomes with those chronic health conditions. And he even quoted a 37% longer lifespan among the research um, for people of faith. So this evidence weighs in favor that a life of faith is related to better coping with sickness, better outcomes, and a longer lifespan. So it's not hard to make the case that the caring professions, especially physically oriented ones, are holy. I would like to share more about how caring for the body means caring for the poor. Matthew 25 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. 
I was stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. He equates caring for the least of these as caring for Jesus himself. Interestingly, Jesus later combines the phrases sick and getting visited with in prison. I shudder to think about debtors' houses where ill people often ended up um, unjustly years ago. But this brings up the concept of medicine, our professions. Historically, and often concurrently in different places and around the world, um, families take care of ill family members. But sometimes people become estranged from family. They have no family, often no method of gaining employment. These disenfranchised people either receive no care, subpar care, prison, or homelessness. It's, it's complicated, but the most intensive resources in healthcare, which would mainly be hospitalizations, attempt to support and care for those with lower socioeconomic status and lower educational status. I looked up a recent meta-analysis and another independent article to confirm this. But if you work in a hospital, you don't need any studies to prove this. The poor suffer worse health than the rest of society. Hang on, this is where the rubber hits the road. Jesus's ministry takes fire at those in power. Religious power, but also many would argue political power. Jesus is one for the underdogs, the upside down kingdom, where the first are last and the last are first. Jesus is clear. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice I chose Luke rather than Matthew's poor in spirit. So my job is holy. I hold the hands of some of the most trodden among people in this country and from other countries too. Embracing, beholding the sick and poor, the vulnerable, is God's touch through me. At least I hope. So what about you? An old lesson, still needing repeating for myself, is that if I believe that all these things are for others, then I am in included too. I too merit care. My body too is worthy of healing touch, gentle aid, and holy physicality. For me, it means I must run or walk outside frequently. I must see the sun and the trees and move my legs. This nourishes me, body and soul. It means I might have to say no to some good things in order to provide enough rest, exercise, and time to prepare healthy meals for my body and our bodies. And this is hard. Everyone can relate to Paul when he writes, why do I do the things I don't want to, yet neglect the things I do want to do? We all know we shouldn't smoke, spend so much time on social media, sit on the couch so long, eat dessert every day, ride bikes without our helmets. So why do we doom scroll, continue scrolling on social media past the point of pleasure? Why is chocolate stronger than us? All of a sudden, we are quick to spiritualize these matters after we just spent so much time talking about the physical. Well, there are physical biochemical reasons to help explain that, but they are intertwined with emotional, social, mental, and spiritual ones as well. When you struggle to make a change that you'd like, I'd encourage you to consider how 
Nonviolent Self-Communication or Self-Compassion by Christian Neff might need to come forward. Maybe you need to give your per need to give yourself permission to let go of an ideal in your head. Perhaps you need to evaluate what and why you truly want, very deep down where God resides in you. What is it that you're made to do? That reason, your identity, requires wellness of you and gives you permission to be body and soul. I'll leave with you with some lyrics from a song entitled Light from Light by the Circle of Hope Church in Philadelphia. I believe it's a Quaker church originally. It's a unique album, and I can email it out on Listserv, a link to the song. And I really enjoy it because it has taught me about incarnation. It's given me a whole new theology about body and life. Enter the world and be poor as we are. Take up our weakness and give up your power. Wake us to you and the life that you give. Die like we die so that we all may live. Son of God from all time, lifted up, poured like wine. Take on our eyes and our hands and our feet Cry with our lungs the air that we breathe. The things that we were and we are and we do, they are now holy because you did them too. Light from light, God from God, flesh like ours, breath and blood. <laughs>